With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But it's Freehouse in front with 50 yards to run. And it's going to be Freehouse too. The John comes right back and in. They run to the wire and get a Freehouse and nose to Silver John. Serena Song ahead. Exotic word all heart on the outside. Serena Song has the call on all her pass. And she's just got too much class. Here comes the big white horse, Vigers on the outside, Vigers on the outside, charges up, challenges Mr. Radoy, Vigers on the outside, Mr. Radoy, Vigers in front. The big pink pie, driving Greenton up alongside of a rat, and it's Greenton coming through to win the big cap. It's a firm going away to lead by four lengths, and Johnny's image second, affirmed in front. John Henry takes the lead, it's John Henry. And now it's time for Inside Racing, a full hour of coverage on everything going on in the sport of kings here in Southern California and around the country. And here's your host, Jason Levine. Yeah! Live from the iHeart Media Studios in beautiful downtown Burbank, it's Inside Racing with Jason Levine, Jay Friedlander in for Jason this week. And uh, there's a lot going on around Southern California, and uh, sadly, some of that is in the news. Uh, our thoughts and prayers go out uh, to uh, the people that are victimized and evacuating uh, the fires uh, throughout the Southland, and uh, hopefully uh, everything will go well there, and uh, we'll get those under control uh, very shortly. Uh, pretty scary when uh, places like Malibu are evacuated completely. Uh, unfortunately, the Paramount Ranch was uh, apparently lost in the fire, and that's, that's terrible. That's a historic place. So uh, anyway, uh, hopefully uh, things will uh, go well and be those things will be under control. Uh, just wanted to mention that our sister station, KFI, will have uh, full coverage of the fire uh, this week. So uh, we'll be having uh, full coverage of racing throughout the show, of course. Uh, and uh, Roger Newbauer will be joining us in our revised rotation when there's only three of us. Roger will be on in about uh, uh, 10, 12 minutes, and uh, Steve Pollock will be on after uh, 7.30, and uh, Brent's at the controls, and uh, we're ready to go. Uh, and so it's going to be a big day uh, at uh, Del Mar today. It is opening weekend at Del Mar. Opening day was yesterday, and uh, there's special Veterans Day racing on Monday, so extra work day for your handicappers, but we're happy to do it. It's the kind of work we like to do. Uh, and uh, down there at Del Mar today, uh, it's a student admission day. If, if you're a college student, free admission to Del Mar because certainly uh, there's nothing college students should be learning more than how to wager their hard-earned money uh, at a racetrack. Uh, and uh, the reggae band Pepper uh, will be uh, playing a free concert. It's a reggae fest at Del Mar. Uh, there's a couple of bands for the uh, fall meet. So uh, the fall meet doesn't have quite the concert series, but they're starting to add more bands to the fall meet as well. Uh, the feature race down there is the $75,000 added Let It Ride Stakes uh, mile uh, contest over the Jimmy Durante turf course. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the horses uh, competing in that, the, uh, that will be a, a Fleet Ascent, uh, Collects Man, uh, Prince Earl, who's undefeated, 
uh, Risky Proposition, Extraordinary Jerry Fight One, and the only stakes winner in the field, Choo Choo, with uh, Flavian Pratt aboard. So it uh, should be a very competitive field uh, in the Let It Ride Stakes. Uh, Let It Ride Stakes, of course, I believe was named after uh, the great movie uh, with Richard Dreyfus. Uh, so uh, should be enjoyable and uh, should be a nice uh, weekend of racing, uh, holiday holiday weekend racing for uh, Veterans Day. And uh, we lead into some of the big turf races uh, coming up as uh, Del Mar has picked up some of the, uh, the races from the old Hollywood Turf Festival. So, uh, yeah, should, should be a good time to be had by all. Uh, so uh, let's uh, cover a little bit of Breeders' Cup action. This was Breeders' Cup weekend last week, and we're going to concentrate on the Saturday card because Jason uh, aptly uh, covered the Friday card last week. And uh, just uh, we'll uh, go down the races and just cover some of the results. And there's a big upset, of course, in the first race, which was the uh, Breeders' Cup uh, Philly and Mare Sprint. Uh, the, uh, the big favorite there, of course, was uh, from Bob Baffert's barn, and uh, Marley's Freedom was heavily favored to win that. And uh, uh, certainly uh, Marley's Freedom gave it every effort. Uh, Selcourt was the second choice, and uh, Selcourt got off to a nice uh, run. And, uh, but uh, you know, when you're running from the inside and you're facing all that pressure, it can be hard to uh, really maintain that uh, from the inside rail on most courses, and especially in a big uh, you know, Breeders' Cup field where there's you know, 14 runners. And uh, by the end, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the pace pressure got to sell court. Uh, Marley Street never really kicked it in, and it was kind of a, a cavalry charge to the finish with a blanket finish at the end. And uh, Shamrock Rose uh, came out on top, uh, paid 53.80. Wow. So uh, the Philly and Mare Sprint, uh, I don't think anything conclusive can be uh, deducted from that as, as three or four horses were very close on the wire. But congratulations to the uh, connections of uh, Shamrock Rose and uh, trainer Mark Cassie. Uh, and then uh, after that, uh, in the uh, turf version of the sprint, uh, repeat uh, performance from uh, last year's winner, and he really didn't have the numbers this year. Uh, I didn't really like him on top. Uh, you know, several horses had run faster uh, recently anyway, but Stormy Liberal, the game veteran, uh, got the job done, uh, and uh, a brutal stretch drive with World of Trouble, who was uh, really favored by a lot of the uh, handicappers and you know, a lot of the TV pundits, and uh, World of Trouble really gave it, it all, his all, but uh, Stormy Liberal just wore him down gamely and uh, you know, got his nose on the wire again. This is a horse that, that likes to win, and you, know, you can't say that about all horses. You, you've got a lot of horses out there that have seconditis where you know, they're, they're happy. It's, ah, let him win, but Stormy Liberal just you know, does not like to get beat and just uh, you know, took it to World of Trouble in the stretch and got by him at the end, uh, paying a generous $16. Uh, so uh, uh, congratulations uh, to uh, the connections there. Uh, Peter Miller uh, certainly had a, a strong hand in that race, and uh, uh, certainly uh, you know, he'll uh, go on to a better things. I, he has already been announced that uh, he'll be uh, going on uh, next year to uh, you know, compete as a 7-year-old. Uh, in the Dirt Mile, uh, City of Light. Uh, took the dirt mile over uh, the uh, the favorite there, uh, who was, of course, the undefeated Catalina Cruiser. Uh, congratulations to uh, Roger Neubauer for uh, calling that on the air. Uh, said City of Light was just faster and uh, would be able to overcome that post, and he certainly did, uh, paying seven twenty to win. And uh, you know, that was a nice uh, call for City of Light, who uh, really looked like he emerged as the uh, best miler on the dirt uh, in the land. Uh, the Philly and Mare turf was next. And uh, Wild Illusion, uh, one of the heavy favorites uh, coming in from Europe because uh, typically European horses 
are considered to be better than ours uh, at the same sort of class levels. If you take, say, a, a Group 2 race or a Group 3 race, uh, you know, with the horses coming in from Europe uh, in races like that are generally considered eh, a notch better than ours. Say a, a Group 3 horse over there uh, should be able to step up and handle you know, Grade 2 company uh, on the East Coast, and I would say even on the West Coast where the turf racing just isn't as deep or as strong usually, uh, a Group 3 winner from Europe can uh, you know, generally take on and compete successfully with our Grade 1 stakes horses out here on the West Coast. But in this particular case, uh, it was not to be. Sister Charlie, who uh, has this uh, wicked closing kick, uh, came uh, from, not quite from the clouds, but came from well back and uh, just uh, kind of shot through an opening and uh, you know, defeated Wild Illusion on the square, uh, paying 860 in a very exciting race. And uh, that was one where you'd want to spread uh, fairly deeply, and hopefully you did. Uh, after the fill in mare turf, uh, the race after that was the sprint. And uh, this was the first one that uh, I selected correctly on the card. In fact, it began a, a streak of uh, four wins for me, personally, as I was kind of happy about that, plus Audible earlier in the card in the non-Breeders' Cup section. Uh, and uh, just like um, you know, the European horses uh, tend to have the edge, and the East Coast horses uh, on the turf also tend to have the edge over our horses, just because mostly when those European horses land, they, they tend to land... Uh, at those East Coast tracks, uh, because you know most of the uh, the farms out there, the big farms like Calumet Farm and the, and the well known ones, uh, you know, tend to have a lot of horses that they uh, they buy and send over to Europe, and then after a while they bring them back, and they usually wind up there. So the uh, competition on the turf back east uh, is uh, is much tougher. But you know, on the dirt, it's a different story. Uh, out here, uh, first of all, uh, you know, we, we tend to have the best sprinters. Our, the surfaces here tend to be faster, and we train them faster. So uh, typically speaking, if you see you know, horses running in, say, a grade one sprint out in California, uh, they'll generally have a, a decided edge uh, over their eastern competition. And if you look back historically, we've been well represented in the sprint, uh, just one top sprinter after another. And I really thought that Roy H. Uh, would once again – uh, have the measure of his main foe, Imperial Hint, and in fact he did. Uh, and Paco Lopez rode uh, Roy H to a T. And uh, you know the trainer actually thought that uh, you know perhaps uh, sent Roy H a little bit soon, but uh, Paco felt well confident that he had plenty of horse under him, and indeed he did. Roy H uh, won the sprint handily, paying 740, uh, and Imperial Hint relegated to third. So uh, congratulations uh, to the connections there, and uh, to uh, uh, the uh, uh, Peter Miller's uh, other win here, and uh, congratulations there. Uh, the mile was the next race, and uh, that was uh, actually my best bet of the day. Uh, and uh, Expert Eye uh, from Europe actually you know, was really facing the toughest competition. He had been competing in million-dollar races over in Europe. And really, considering the purses are smaller over there, I mean, that's the equivalent of, say, a, a $2 million race over here. And Expert Eye won nicely. Uh, you know, coming from off the pace and uh, taking the measure of his American competition and the other Europeans in the race and paid a generous 1380 and a nice $67 or so exacta as well. Uh, so uh, nice, uh, nice win there from Expert Eye. And uh, the, uh, the uh, finish there uh, was uh, not one that was unexpected. Uh, the distaff was next. And uh, to nobody's surprise, I think, uh, Monomoy Girl uh, certainly, uh, you know, held, uh, you know, the measure of the rest of the field, uh, sat in the catbird seat, uh, pounced on the speed when the time was right, 
and uh, really won uh, with uh, very little uh, threatening competition. Wildcat tried to make a race of it. Uh, Midnight Bizu, uh, who was uh, you know put up by disqualification over Monomoygirl in the prep for this, uh, really showed that uh, she just wasn't really a threat to the top girl. And uh, you know, I, I really thought that you know, despite the trouble, I mean, Monomoygirl deserved to come down in that race. Uh, you know, I never thought Midnight Bizu was any threat to win, regardless of the trouble. So uh, you know, certainly uh, Monomoygirl deserves congratulations and hopefully uh, will go on to a four-year-old career uh, because uh, she's an outstanding horse. Uh, this is a veritable win machine. I think she only has the two losses on her uh, on her uh, total career card, and one of them was by DQ. Uh, and uh, certainly Abel Tasman just showed that she's ready to be a broodmare at this point. Uh, at a certain point, they just don't want to run anymore. And uh, Abel Tasman has certainly demonstrated that. No knock on Abel Tasman. Uh, certainly had a fine career for Bob Baffert, but that career is now done and she's been retired. A thrilling run in the Breeders' Cup turf where uh, Enable, the champion from Europe, and I was a little suspect here because uh, certainly Enable uh, didn't quite uh, show in uh, her repeat win in the arc. Uh, you know, uh, it was a neck win. It was close. And I really thought that, uh, you know, Enable might not be quite the filly she was. She was off for almost a year with an injury. And sometimes they don't come back the same. But Enable was super game. Uh, went wide, very wide on that course. And uh, then really had to wear down Magical from uh, from uh, Aiden O'Brien. And uh, I really thought the uh, main competition in that would be the other uh, horse uh, exiting uh, exiting the arc. Uh, Widegeist, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, but uh, Widegeist was nowhere to be found. Uh, Magical gave Enable all she could handle, but in the end, Enable pulled away and really showed why she's the champion she is. Uh, this is one of the all-time great uh, turf fillies and turf horses in general. Uh, and uh, you know, she's being mentioned as a possible contender for Horse of the Year. And you know, generally, that's an American award. You don't usually see it off of just one race. So uh, that would be a little bit of a surprise to me if uh, Enable got the vote. But uh, she might be one of the three finalists. You just never know. And then uh, finally, uh, you know, the big one, of course, uh, the Breeders' Cup Classic. And uh, my pick, of course, was uh, Thunder Snow. Uh, that, uh, that one finally broke my streak uh, as Accelerate. Uh, overcame that 14, uh, 14 post and just uh, despite going as wide as uh, Accelerate did, uh, you know, wore down the competition at the end and, uh, you know, Thunder Snow could never... It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We're quite punch it in, and Guinevere, a huge surprise. Uh, you know, coming in second and uh, really lighting up the those uh those exotics and uh i think it was an 800 hundred dollar trifecta with gunavera splitting uh you know the favorite accelerate and uh you know the somewhat well regarded at least by me uh thunder snow uh so congratulations uh to uh john sadler for finally getting uh, off the schneid and getting his breeders and uh and uh, certainly a, a fine win for uh, Joel Rosario, uh, filling in for uh, uh, Victor Espinoza, who's still recovering from that back injury. 
And talk is that Joel will be, uh, uh, you know, very likely to uh, come out here for the Santa Anita winter meet and resume his career full time. For those who remember, uh, Joel started his American career at Santa Anita and then decided to go back east uh, where uh, he thought the gains were going to be uh, you know, better for him. But uh, it's such a tough colony out there with guys like Javier Castellano and the Ortiz brothers and Luis Saez that uh, right here, I mean, the top mounts might be ready, you know, just waiting for the taking for uh, someone like Joel to come over and just take over this colony. So uh, looking forward to seeing if that happens uh, at San Anita this winter. And now without further ado, uh, Roger Neubauer from Thoroughgraph would join us. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, Jay. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, so congratulations on your Breeders' Cup. That was a nice call on uh, City of Light. Yeah, thank you. We had the exacta and Bravazo uh, just split us for the try there, but yeah, we, we will take it. Exactly. And you also had a uh, fine day uh, at Santa Anita uh, with Moon Kitty paying twelve sixty, dollars uh, and uh, a really fine call at Aqueduct. Even though it didn't win, uh, Sir Ballantyne ran second and played 14 to place. And, uh, you know, you called that on the radio as well. And we always encourage the listeners uh, to bet win and place. Don't just bet the win at. And uh, that aptly demonstrated why you should do that. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a that was a good example there. It was a good day and a good day to have it on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that was also a $72 best bet exacta, and you also nailed a $235 and $386 uh, pick threes that day, including Moon Kitty. So, uh, you know, strong, strong day at Santa Anita where you had the winner of eight of ten races covered. So, uh, you know, nice going there. So let me ask you, Roger, uh, you know, you had the uh, the winner of City of Light. What were your impressions? Any Anybody stand out to you on the Breeders' Cup card as far as performance? Yeah, it's interesting because now we have the uh, the hindsight and the Jerry's completed the figures. And I'll just let anybody know that's interested. The race of the week on the Thoroughgraph website, we have all the 2018 final Breeders' Cup figures. So you'll get the Thoroughgraph sheet for every horse that ran and the number they ran in the Breeders' Cup. So if anybody wants to go back and relook at that. But there were a couple big performances that uh, that you may not have thought of. And one you mentioned earlier, that was Stormy Liberal. So Stormy Liberal last year was basically running twos and ran a two to win uh, the Breeders' Cup uh, Turp Sprint. And this year he was running all twos, and there was no reason to expect anything better than a two. And in fact, he exploded. He actually ran, uh, by thoroughbred figures, nine lengths faster than he ran winning that race last year. He ran a negative five and a quarter. Jerry thinks that's the turf number he's ever given out. So that that was just an amazing performance, a jump up, you know, who can explain that with, uh, you know, 15 twos over the last two years and now all of a sudden a negative five and a quarter. But that was that was just an unbelievable performance. Wide came up, got the job done. Yeah. So uh, definitely, uh, I think you'd want to watch not only Stormy, World of Trouble, who must have had a, a very similar number of finishing close uh, in their next race. I mean, they're probably singles in any sort of turf sprint they run, unless they run against each other again. And the other one that uh, uh, was was from Friday, but newspaper of record, um, may actually be the best uh, two-year-old turf filly uh, ever. I mean, uh, certainly from any U.S. horse, no no horse in the U.S. has ever run uh, back-to-back numbers. She actually went forward a little bit, uh, like newspaper of record. Obviously, we don't have every figure ever for uh, the two-year-old fillies uh, in Europe. But just as a point of reference, uh, 
newspaper of records numbers are faster than Lady Eli, who was uh, a monster at the time as a two-year-old. So uh, that was another standout performance and just a very, very fast two-year-old filly. Impressive indeed. So, Roger, let me ask you. I mean, there's going to be a lot of talk. Uh, we're not going to really get into it in detail today, but uh, in terms of uh, you know uh, the uh, you know Eclipse Awards coming up uh, in the end of the year and into next year, and uh, certainly the talk will be now uh, Justify and Accelerate, and. Just kind of curious how you think Justify would have performed. I mean, based on the numbers, you've certainly got some historical records of how three-year-olds in general have done from, say, you know, Belmont, Haskell, Traverse season uh, to Breeders' Cup season. They mature, they get faster, and uh, based on normal development, uh, how do you think Justify would have competed uh, against this field, against the Breeders' Cup Classic field and Accelerate? Well, it's very interesting because what what we find is that horses that are pushed hard early don't necessarily progress as much as those that develop late. So Justify is an example of a horse that developed early and ran four very big races in basically a two-month period of time. That type of horse would not necessarily progress uh, to the point of being able to take on olders. And the flip side of that is a horse like Arrogate that developed very late and uh, in the Travers, in fact, and, and came on at the end of the year. Now, for Justify, his numbers, if he would have stayed sound and just improved a little bit, he would have been, he, he had the ability to be right there in the Breeders' Cup. So it was a negative three and a half uh, that won the race. Uh, and, um, Justify had ran a negative one and a half at Churchill Downs. So six months of um, improvement for a three-year-old, which is not un- two points is not unlikely. I mean, if he stayed healthy and that didn't set him back too far uh, running those four huge races earlier in the year, then he could have been right there in that race. Yeah, very good. So uh, unfortunately, we'll never know. And uh, fortunately, at least Justify, at least he's you know, retiring healthy and should have a long and hopefully successful career at stud, but we certainly would have liked to see it. And I, I, I even if he couldn't be ready for the Breeders' Cup, uh, I, I would have liked to see them maybe try to keep him in training and shoot for the Pegasus. I mean, you still could have had a, a breeding season to go without missing any. Yeah, there are business decisions, and you just have to live with those, as unfortunate as that is. So, Roger, where are we starting today? We're going to start at Aqueduct, and okay. we're going to start with the 10th t- the race, um, $16,000 claimers. So we're really taking a leap of faith here. There's, uh, it's a, a low percentage trainer and a low percentage jock. But we, we're going to get a price on this one because, number one, Cookie Crisp uh, has the best pattern in the race. Oh, okay, Roger. It's a, I'm sorry to interrupt. That's the ninth race, right? I'm sorry. Yes. We're going to the tenth at Churchill. That's my mistake. No worries. Yeah, race nine. <laughs> okay. So it's the ninth race at Aqueduct, and we're going with the number one cookie crisp uh, at 10 to 1 morning line. As I mentioned, this is a, a, a low percentage trainer, a low percentage jock. But if you look at this one's pattern, the last two races, getting down to that 10 and a half, he did that on six days rest and now has almost a month into this race. That 10 and a half would be extremely competitive in this race. 10 to 1 morning line may be higher than that at post time. And um, it just looks like a good play, even though it may not be exactly what you want in terms of a trainer uh, and jockey combination. So we're going to use that one at 10 to 1. And as I said, it probably will be a little bit higher. We're going to use that one with number two, the Chamo at 7 to 2, who's getting a lot of weight, getting almost 10 pounds. Uh, and number five, takeoff. 
so we're going to play cookie crisp to win in place. And with the exotics, we're going to go uh, two and five uh, with the exact end trifecta. Okay, cookie crisp on top uh, with a nice run last time, uh, you know, almost getting the job done, uh, just missing by a nose and uh, at a generous price today of 10 to 1 because, as you mentioned, those low-profile prof- low connections who, who don't always take a lot of action. We'll play with those two favorites, uh, the Chamo and uh, the uh, the betting favorite on the morning line, uh, Takeoff, uh, from uh, Anthony uh, Rondo de la Cerda and, uh, you know, Irad Ortiz. Uh, so, uh, Churchill next? Yeah, we're going to go to Churchill next. Let me just say real quickly about Aqueduct. Cookie Crisp is part of an entry, and the same jocks named on both. So the, one of them is probably going to scratch. I'm watching the scratches here online. If one of your listeners uh, uh, texts you that the horse has been scratched, I can quickly give uh, another aqueduct race. But hopefully Cookie Crisp stays in. Hopefully so. Okay. Uh, we're going to go to race 10 at Churchill Downs, a Commonwealth uh, three-year-old sta- uh, turf stake. And uh, this one's a very straightforward play. We're just going with number three, Sniper Kitten. Um, seven to two morning line for Mike Maker. Uh, we're going to get that number seven to two because there's a couple of horses, number seven, Hot Springs, and number four, March to the Arch, that are going to take money, going to get that heavily in this spot. So we should get three to one or seven to two. Uh, Sniper Kitten ran the best turf number in the field, three back, and has really good time into this race. Uh, Tyler uh, Gaffleoni is riding, and um, I'm not sure he's as much under the radar as he once was, but that, that guy can... He is a rider. He is a good jockey, and uh, the win bet is simply uh, number three, Sniper Kitten. Absolutely. I admire Tyler Gaffleoni a lot. All right, Sniper Kitten uh, in the feature race at uh, Churchill, the grade three Commonwealth Turf Stakes, and I uh, guess we'll wrap that up at Del Mar. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. We're going with uh, uh, Philly State Bread uh, made in special weight on the turf. It's going to be the third race, a mile on the turf. We're going to go with number five, Twirling Diamond, at 20 to 1 morning line for Dallas Keene. This one ran a 17 and a half on the dirt. First time, it's a bad number for this field. It's not a turf number, but it's not a bad number overall for this field. And it's certainly better than it looks in the racing form, losing by 12 and three quarter lengths. So now this one's moving to the turf and is by Twirling Candy, who is a good turf sire. And a buddy of mine texted me earlier and uh, and let me know. I wasn't aware of this, but uh, uh, Twirling Candy actually won two races on the Del Mar turf. So Twirling Diamond should move up on the turf here, 20 to 1 morning line. Dallas Keene, not necessarily a, a high percentage trainer, but he can certainly get the job done. Uh, Martin uh, Pedroza is riding, and uh, we look to play this one uh, win in place at 20 to 1 and up. Absolutely, yeah. Twirling Candy uh, is a terrific sire of turf runners, uh, getting 18% uh, turf runners overall and 19% first out on the lawn, which is what this is today. So number five, Twirling Diamond at a big price uh, in the uh, third race at Del Mar. Roger, uh, thank you for all the insights, and uh, we'll have to do this again next week. Yeah, Jay, let me just give you uh, number four and number seven to use with Twirling Diamond in that race. Okay, we're going to win in place on Twirling Diamond, number four, Styling Ocean, and number seven, Setamar, we will use uh, with him in the exotics. Okay, using her in the exotics. Okay, yeah, using the high figure horse, uh, Setamar, with the very underrated Ruben Fuentes aboard. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, you know, it's definitely uh, worth going for a price when you've got a 20 to one shot on top. Uh, So, three horse box. 
yeah, three horse box exactas and tries. Excellent. Roger, let's have a great day out there and uh, let's uh, let's hammer these home. Thanks so much, Jay. All right. Take care. Roger Neubauer from Thoroughgraph. So uh, just wanted to mention a couple of things before we uh, take our first commercial break. Uh, Roger's picks can be uh, accessed, as can uh, Steve's and mine, at uh, www.racingjason.com. $25 for the full card and $15 for the best bets. Or you can get them on the phone line. Uh, The number for Thoroughgraph is 877-915-1717. And the number for Steve's picks and my picks is 877-915-1616. So uh, be sure to get those, and uh, hopefully those will uh, help your day and uh, give you some success and uh, win some races. And uh, let me just uh, mention our partner, uh, Naira Betts. Actually, before I do, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to, you know, just in terms of uh, spacing out the show a little bit, I'm going to give you uh, one of my picks first, and then we'll talk about Naira Betts real briefly. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, the last race at Churchill Downs, race 11. So maybe you can put together some sort of a daily double with Rogers and mine, or just play them independently. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, and uh, the uh, the favorite in this race is uh, the, uh, we're looking at uh, number eight, Dial Me. Uh, who certainly had uh, some success uh, from the Thomas Drury barn. And Thomas Drury is a very high percentage trainer over at Churchill Downs. Uh, this horse was the beaten favorite last time, uh, finishing a strong second. And uh, Drury's 32% uh, with his beaten favorites with uh, Brian Hernandez aboard. But I'm going to try to knock off the favorite here, as I often try to do. I try not to give out too many favorites on the show. And uh, the one I kind of like here is uh, number three, Taylor's Princess, from an- another very uh, capable trainer, Scott Geiner. Not quite as uh, as a high percentage this meet is Drury, but uh, certainly knows what he's doing. Uh, Taylor's Princess exits Allowance Company, uh, ran two races on turf in the last one. She just got pasted. So, uh, you know, thus the price is hammered down to 8 to 1. Uh, Florent Rue will be aboard this one, and uh, as uh, his uh, regular jockey moves elsewhere. But uh, Taylor's Princess, if you go back, if you look at uh, the last time she was at this $30,000 claimers level, uh, which was at uh, Pimlico, uh, or pra- excuse me, that was at Prairie Meadows back in the spring, uh, Taylor's Princess just opened up and clobbered the field, uh, you know, just uh, taking, taking it to him from the start and winning by eight and three quarters lengths. And uh, back with claiming company, I think Taylor's Princess has a big shot here uh, in the 11th race uh, at, uh, at uh, Churchill Downs. So uh, and we'll play it uh, like so. We'll play a uh, we'll play an exact wheel. Uh, it'll be a part wheel. And in interest of time, I'm just going to give you out the numbers. Uh, it'll be we'll play eight with all, and then we'll play just the ones I think that have a shot to win on top of the eight. So it'll be eight with all and two, three, five, nine, ten, eleven, with eight. So uh, that's uh, that's it for my pick. I'll have one more pick from Delmar later on. Uh, and I just wanted to mention uh, very quickly before we go to break, our partner, Naira Betts. Uh, they have several promotions uh, going on this weekend. And uh, you know, foremost of all is uh, the Naira Betts Late Pick 5. Uh, it's a Late Pick 5 at Aqueduct, and this is exclusively for Naira Betts customers. So uh, you open that up. It's a it's a very generous 15% takeout. It's only a 50 cents minimum. You can only play this on the Naira Bets website or the Naira Bets app. 
uh, and they also have a couple of other promotions. Uh, they also have a, a couple of points, uh, hit and split points, where uh, there's 500,000 points at stake. Uh, they had one of these going on yesterday at Del Mar for the early pick four, uh, where if you hit the pick four, you split 500,000 points. And if, let's say, 500 people get in the pool, that's 1,000 points apiece if you win that pick four. Uh, so uh, there's two more shots, and we're gonna, I'm going to certainly give it every effort uh, to uh, you know, make that uh, come true for our Naira Bets customers uh, in the remaining time. And then they do have one today, and this is not local. This is at Laurel Park, uh, 500000 for the exacta in the first race. And this one, you don't, have to, you don't even have to win the exacta. You play a $10 base exacta in race one, and just by getting in the pool, uh, you're going to split the $500,000 points just by making the bet. But it would be nice to win that bet, too. So when we come back from the commercial break, I will try to give you that uh, Laurel exacta as a bonus. Don't touch that dial. We'll be back in a few. back to Inside Racing with Jason Levine, Jay Friedlander sitting in. The theme of the show today is uh, ocean and sea songs because, hey, Del Mar means, uh, you know, of the sea. So, uh, you know, certainly uh, those uh, are certainly very appropriate for today. So at that uh, Laurel bonus, let's look at race one very quickly. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but uh, the favorite here, Paz the Wine, has the best dirt race speed rating. Uh, nothing bad to say about Paz the Wine. Uh, gritty performance down the stretch, just couldn't quite get the job done. But uh, this is an exacta bet, and uh, I really think the better exacta play here is the second choice, number 10, Louise, who has five second-place finishes. This is the profile of a horse you want in the exacta, number 10, Louise. Louise. We'll play it as follows. Uh, we'll play Louise uh, both ways with uh, three horses. We'll, of course, use that favorite, number nine, Paz the Wine. And then we'll use uh, a couple of big long shots. We'll use number 11, Streets of Fire, Streets on Fire, uh, who uh, is a big class dropper at 20 to 1. And then Buddha Kai, uh, who has had some uh, you know sketchy performances, finishing well back in some, but last time out uh, on the lawn, uh, Budokai recorded the best overall speed rating in the field and the best closing rating, uh, closing uh, uh, fraction. And Budokai is thirty to one. So play it like so. We'll play a ten uh, with the uh, nine. Uh, with uh, well, actually Budokai is the three. So ten with three nine eleven with. Uh, and then flip it around, 3-9-11 with the 10, and triple up on number 9, Paz the Wine, because uh, the exact is not going to play enough uh, with Paz the Wine if uh, that's the exact. So yeah, make that like a $3 play. The other's a $1 play on the ratio you play. Uh, so uh, without further ado, uh, a man who uh, enjoys uh, living by the sea, uh, Mr. Steve Pollock. Good morning, Steve. 
I do enjoy living by the sea. That's a that's a very astute uh, comment there, Jay. Is uh, I've been here all my life. Yeah, and uh, I I certainly believe you must have been crushed when it was announced that Hollywood Park would be kind of going away, but Del Mar would be picking up a second meet. You must have been just so disappointed that you'd have to go out and watch races at that beautiful track down by the sea for a a second meet. Well, I was crushed when Hollywood Park was closed. It has never been the same. And uh, so to to answer that in an honest way, I'm certainly appreciative that we have an extra meet here. But uh, uh, I'm very, very disappointed, and and there's a place in my heart for Hollywood Park, and I really wish we had that circuit of three to go back to and Fairplex to go back to for a few weeks. That that was the was the ultimate, and I don't take it for granted. Uh, But uh, so it's it's not the same, but it's still pretty darn good. (laughs) Exactly. So, Steve, I'm I'm sure you were watching the uh, the Breeders' Cup with rapt interest. Uh, Yeah, what performances really stood out to you? Who uh, who really made your highlight reel? Well, you know, I, I tell you what, I, I, I see, I saw some things very differently from from what you did, and I, I sort of, you know, we all have our different ways of looking at it, and there's many, many ways to skin a cat. But one of the things that I noticed for me was that you could not be on the rail on the turf; you had to be outside in the five and six path. And and one of the things that really caught my eye, for example, in the Breeders' Cup Mile, where you like expert eye, the numbers were seven, ten, twelve, fifteen. Anybody down on the inside, or anybody that didn't appreciate a soft turf course was absolutely nowhere come post time. And I really thought that the turf would be changing. Uh, I thought it would firm up a little bit, and I and I was really trying to give some of these other horses a chance to handle the firmer turf, but they did not at all. It was it was very very uh, much the horses that handled the softer type of turf and were able to get outside position. And you you had mentioned that race with Wild Illusion and Sister Charlie. I mean, Sister Charlie to me was in the five path the whole race, and actually Sister Charlie never even switched leads. Wild Illusion was an absolute crazy horse, wouldn't load, and that was an amazing thing watching that. Horse trying to load, and then Sister Charlie here's this great horse from Chad Brown who's been absolutely dominant trainer, and she runs the entire length of the stretch on the wrong lead. I think if those two horses would have put forth their best performance, they might have pulled away from the field. Uh, but those two horses uh, really stood out to me. And then the fact that no American could finish within ten lengths, and I kind of thought that was the case. Sadler's Joy actually was nine and three quarter lengths behind. We've got to do something in this country. We're going to keep running shorter and shorter and shorter distances. And we have been dominating the shorter distances. And congratulations to to Peter Miller, who wins two races again. Roy H. was absolutely off the charts. And Stormy Liberal, the explanation for the number there to me, Roger, would be if you watch Stormy Liberal's last three or four races, this horse was never, ever even asked. And Drayden Van Dyke had been sitting on this horse and winning races by a head and by a nose without ever asking. And it was really kind of a strange thing. They were really looking for this race. And obviously, the horse was all out, and they really pushed the horse this time. And the whole question for me was whether you were going to handle the course or not. And obviously, Stormy Liberal did. So I'm not all that surprised by the number uh, superior turf sprinting here in Southern California. We're seeing it, and we saw it there at Churchill Downs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's true that uh, Southern California runners tend to dominate sprints, whether it's on the dirt or the turf. Uh, Congratulations to Peter Miller on having uh, two such, uh, you know, uh, venerable warriors uh, in his barn, and uh, I think they're both coming back. Well, they are, and you know what, uh, I don't mean to toot Southern California's horn, but I, there is a part of me that is rooting for these horses, and we did outstanding. We almost won the Breeders' Cup mile on the horse that, that you like from John Sadler. John Sadler did get the 
a monkey off his back, winning with Accelerate, and that was outstanding. And uh, really throughout, uh, you know, City of Light gets the win. Stormy Liberal, as we mentioned, and we really, really had ourselves, uh, the West Coast did, had a heck of a meet. What was disappointing for me in the Breeders' Cup is that we had very, very few prices. It seemed like the crowd was honed in. A lot of the horses that I was wanting to play were bet down heavily. And uh, although some of them did win, it was a disappointing uh, from a from a – payout standpoint i was able to hit a couple pick fives in the breeders cup and i actually lost money for the two days uh and and quite a bit of money actually played in the breeders cup betting challenge and ended up going all in in one of the last races and uh so it wasn't the best couple of days for me uh despite picking quite a few winners it's very tough if you can't get prices uh from my standpoint from a from a betting standpoint i felt like i made one mistake in that should have probably bet the overlay on Stormy Liberal when he went from four to one up to seven to one with what I had seen. Um, but the runner that I gave out, Conquest Tsunami, on the air, I just felt that was an outstanding bet with him being up 15, 16, 17 to one. And that's what I look for in the Breeders' Cup are these big price horses. And Conquest Tsunami had been very competitive with Stormy Liberal, did not handle the course right from the break. That horse just never was liking it out there, and you could tell that. So it was a disappointing effort from him, but maybe the adjustments. And then the, the one horse also that I felt later on in the card, Gunavera, I really felt like I had a bias against this horse because I didn't like the three-year-olds that this one had faced. And I think, folks, those of you who have been handicapping for a long, long time don't have these biases where you think, boy, because this horse didn't run well as a three-year-old or I didn't like that three-year-old crop that they can't come out and run this big effort as a, as a four-year-old. They do change. They do get better. I was looking for a fresh face just like that one, and it was right there. And I just didn't really, I wasn't really able to grasp it. But it was good to see Accelerate get the job done. He's been the best horse all year. And I think we'll get some votes for Horse of the Year. I don't think he'll win it, but he certainly is going to deserve some some votes for Horse of the Year. One other final comment. If you're right about Joel Rosario coming out here, I'll tell you what, everybody else better step up their game because this guy is going to be about 1-9 to nine to win the jockey title at this uh, upcoming Big Santa Anita meet if he's coming back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he outclasses uh, our jockey colony here in general. Uh, you know, I think there's maybe only a couple of riders here that can really ride with him. Uh, I think Drayden Van Dyke might uh, be in that class. Uh, I think uh, Figueroa is coming up, but he's not there yet. Uh, yeah, I think Joel Rosario is just going to uh, you know, really uh, you know, lay waste uh, to this colony, and he's going to win a bunch of titles. I agree with you. It's going to really force these riders to be more aggressive early because when he's been out here, you know, our, our game has sort of been become more of a cat and mouse type of game. A lot of the riders sort of riding uh, horses like Hentasormo, like Chris McCarron did back in the day where they're just kind of milking it along. And I think Joel might just take over a lot of these races early on speed horses. He's great on speed. He's good on closers. Uh, the wider trip, might hurt him a little bit, but I think for the for you know with us running more sprint races out here, and I certainly think he's a he's an excellent turf rider as well. Uh, you know maybe he could save a little bit more ground. I think he might be an elite rider, maybe a top three rider in the country if he was a more of a ground saving rider. But horses run for him, and if he comes out here and he rides the way he's been riding when he's out here uh, for just a couple of days, he's going to be very very tough to beat. Oh, I agree. And uh, I, I think he's going to become our predominant rider on dirt. And uh, I think probably on turf, second only to Flavian. 
Yeah, I don't. You know, there's a couple old boys that I think are still probably better than Rosario. I, I'm still, I still look at Gary and uh, Gary Stevens, and and if Desormo can get back to where he was maybe earlier in the year, he's been sort of in a in a little bit of a drought and a slump. You need to kind of keep your eye on him. But I, I think those guys are better turf riders, uh, the old boys, than than. Uh, than Rosario would be, but but uh, we'll certainly see. I mean, Pratt has been dominant, and I know Van Dyke does win a lot of races on the grass. I'm still not seeing Van Dyke save as much ground. He rides the turf a little bit more like Mike Smith does, and and I don't think he wants to get that cover and wants to stay inside as much as the best turf riders, the Fernando Toros, uh, if you will, uh, of, of West Coast grass riding history ride. And, and if he were to do that, I would certainly say Van Dyke uh, would move his stock way up. But uh, I think Rosario will be very, very tough, uh, very, very tough to beat. And I think a lot of trainers are going to be going to him. I think they'll get, I think they'll get some rides from Baffert. I think they'll easily, of course, get some rides from Sadler. And, uh, you know, don't be surprised to see a lot of these guys go right to him early. Oh, absolutely. So uh, you think, uh, you know, there's been like a wave of sentiment uh, in terms of, uh, you know, support for Accelerate, but you don't think he's going to get enough votes to uh, overturn Justify's Triple Crown year? You know, I, I, I tell you what, I, I mean, as a voter, which 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 was more of an accomplishment. I mean, winning that triple crown is so doggone hard. And I mean, through my entire handicapping life up until it was done a few years ago, I had never seen it done. So it, it's like the thing to do. You, you can't knock this horse. He didn't lose one, five races. Um, but I'll tell you what, they both had incredible years. And, um, you know, if you could ever have two horses of the year at the same time, uh, this would be a year because I, I think it's pretty similar overall. I, I don't think Accelerate will get the votes that he should. But um, to me, I, I would it's, it's pretty close to a tie. What do you feel? I would have to give uh, – there's a difference between who I think the best horse is and who I think deserves the award. Uh, I think if they had met on Breeders' Cup Day, I mean, we talk, you heard from Roger, and he thinks Justifies Improvement would have put him there. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, based on where he was when he left uh, before the injury – that he would be able to run with Accelerate uh, in most of the races. If they had run in two or three races, I think Accelerate probably would have beat him, say, two of three, and maybe he develops toward the end and, and is a threat at the end. So I think Accelerate was the, the more accomplished horse in terms of uh, you know in terms of winning and achieving better speed rate. In terms of what he did, in terms of like accomplishments, in terms of racing history, uh, Justify not only was one of the few Triple Crown winners, uh, you know, in history, he was the one of the only undefeated ones. But I think maybe the only defeated Triple Crown winner in history. I don't think anybody else uh, went completely, uh, you know, six for six like he did. And uh, he was the first uh, Kentucky Derby winner without running as a two-year-old since Apollo. So you know, based on what he did on a historic level, even if he wasn't quite as fast as Accelerate, I'd, I'd have to lean toward Justify just for you know the things he did that were unique uh in racing history uh for uh, his accomplishments yeah pretty incredible i i i I sort of think that's what the voters are gonna uh, are gonna vote for. What would have been nice to see those two face each other here in this Breeders' Cup, but we didn't get to see that. But uh, great years for both of them, and, and I'm sure they'll both get some votes. Oh yeah, and and speaking of horses that run, ran well as two year olds, of course, nice call for you on Friday on game winner. And the surprising thing to me was uh, in the uh, Del Mar Futurity, he wasn't even considered the best Baffert that day. All, all the hype was behind Roadster. And yet, uh, well, you know, for the one time I knew the steam was going to be wrong on that one. I had watched the tape on that, and I did not see that see that the same way as, as everybody did. But uh, you know that 
that certainly uh, sets Baffert up for next year. I'm sure he's his biggest competition might come from his own barn because what he did at Del Mar this year with those two-year-olds, I don't think I've seen a guy win eight, nine, ten in a row without losing. And if he lost one, it was probably to, uh, in a race where he had to. But uh, it, it was uh, it was an amazing, amazing run for Baffert. And you know, interesting that his horses really uh, didn't show up so much on uh, on the last Breeders' Cup. Day. Yeah. And, uh, well, we certainly have another undefeated horse right now in game winner. And whether he'll be able to replicate what his uh, stablemate Justify did, uh, we're going to have to find out. But uh, awfully impressive looking so far. Yeah, he's a good-looking horse. There's no doubt about it. And he absolutely ran in the parking lot and ran over those horses. So certainly by far the best two-year-old right now. And uh, you know, providing that you don't compare him to the, uh, you know, the turf horses, but uh, this is a horse that's going to be, no doubt, will be uh, on the Triple Crown Trail and, and have a chance. Yeah, you might want to get down in the futures book when you can, because you're probably not going to get that same price, uh, you know, uh, on the uh, day of the Derby. Uh, I, I know it's kind of risky to do that, but sometimes uh, that's the best price. Yeah, I'm not much of a future book better. I, 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 you know, there's so many things that can change, and I don't know what kind of a price you could get on that horse right now. I don't think it would be a, enough of a price to interest me. Um, uh, he's certainly going to be one of those two-year-olds that, that will have a chance. There's no doubt that this horse should be able to run longer, and uh, it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see, uh, you know, come January where uh, where Baffert brings this horse back and what his path is going to be. He's, he's certainly one to keep our eyes out for now no doubt all right so steve we're uh we're going to go to del mar today and uh uh take it away we are we're going to go to race nine uh it's a maiden special weight going a flat mile on the turf course and uh a couple of shorter price horses in here have certainly run well i thought in ran well down the hill um and i i think asked the customer has a couple of nice races uh, on the turf and looks like a horse that's progressing in the right way we'll go with a hint of a price in this race it is number two out of balance number two out of balance interesting breeding on this horse this is a horse out of the mare balance and balance was a really nice hoffman's runner a few years back very very classy and really did all of her damage on the dirt and really did most of it going a longer distance so i think the distance will be no problem really don't see any turf breeding on the bottom side because balance was a dirt runner but uh certainly a, a very very classy was it was a very very classy runner and it's a kitten's joy so i think there is turf breeding here and this horse first time out ran a very very impressive race was was angled in early coming down the hill from an outside post it's really interesting to see these young horses running down on the inside on that turf horse down the hill at Santa Anita. We don't see a whole lot of that. And what we didn't see a whole lot of at Santa Anita was closing on that turf horse. It was a very, very speed, speed friendly. About half the races run down the hill were won by the horse on the lead, including this race where this horse ran second, the, the race that out of balance comes out of. But it looks to me like out of balance is going to love the extra two uh, the two turns here, love the extra turn and love the extra distance. A nice pay, uh, nice post draw, get a little bit of a weight break here. And, um, you know, the Del Mar turf horse, I think will play very favorably. The horses uh, with this horse's style somewhere in 
in the middle of the pack. And I, I think this horse is going to run uh, a good race here. I know this horse has not been training well. I hear the training on this horse is, is, is not good. In fact, I did look at a couple clockers, and they both gave this horse a little bit of a knock. And, and this horse has been training on the dirt, and I, and I think her turf race overrides that. So when I see that, I know the price is going to be good. I'm not that concerned that this horse has been goofy on the dirt and an awkward mover. I think this horse will move up. Going back on the grass, I'm so I'm going by that grass race again. In the exotics here, we're going to use the one ask the customer. Going to also use the eight Hyde Park Corner, who I think is an interesting price horse. Ran a nice race here, first time off the boat, and I think has a shot to bounce back and run good, stretching back out. And then I'm going to use the nine Encanta, who looks like the horse to beat. So it's the two out of balance a win bet here, and I'll use one eight nine in the exotics in the ninth race out of Del Mar. All right, let's uh, let's do that. Let's uh, get balanced today with Out of Balance. Steve, thank you, and let's do this again next week. All right, everybody, have a great day out there. Enjoy yourselves, and I uh, look forward to talking to everybody next week. All right, and we'll be back with my Del Mar Handicap right after our final commercial break. You're listening to Inside Racing with Jason Levine on KEIB, The Patriot, and streaming around the globe. Welcome back to Inside Racing with Jason Levine. Brent Turner doing a fine job of picking seaworthy songs this morning. And uh, we'll go to my uh, my final handicap today. We'll go to Del Mar uh, Race 6. Uh, it's a $16,000 claimer. And the favorite here uh, is uh, number five, Carrie Success. Uh, and Carrie Success, unlike most, uh, broke her maiden against uh, uh, straight maidens, where most of these uh, are maiden claiming graduates. And Carrie Success, uh, you know, uh, ran a, a nice race over at Los Alamitos. Uh, but uh, since uh, going up against winners, Carrie Success has really been up against it. Uh, and uh, certainly last time, Carrie Success just got pasted uh, in allowance company and now uh, wisely drops back to claimers where it looks like uh, she's going to be better fit. But she's certainly not the one I like. I like uh, number seven, Lucky Val here from the Kathy Walsh barn. Uh, Lucky Val uh, ran a big race last time, had a little trouble, steadied at the start. Before that, uh, flipped in the gate before that and uh, just uh, was nowhere to be found. But one debut and then uh, last time was up most of the way. And I think that steadied start kind of accounts for, uh, you know, uh, the uh, trouble and uh, finishing sort of uh, tailing off at the end of the race. Uh, so I really think uh, number seven, Lucky Val, with a clean start, which she hasn't had in her last two tries, uh, really should uh, be very, very competitive against this field. Drowning number seven, Lucky Val, with uh, Tiago Pereira aboard. And we'll use a couple of horses here in the exotics. 
Uh, we'll use uh, number five, the favorite, Carrie Success. We'll use number six, Majestic Authority, who also uh, you know, had a really throwout outing, just uh, eased early and finished something like 90 lengths out of it or 57. Uh, form is now disguised, and Majestic Authority at 8-1 to one, uh, will be some value here. And the other one I like is number nine, See Sam's Girl, who's even bigger price at 12-1. to one. And there's a hungry Eastern jock who's uh, coming in from Moral. His name is uh, Angel Cruz. And uh, watch out for Angel Cruz. This guy can ride. He's got uh, uh, over $12 million in earnings. He was riding and winning at a 14% clip uh, when he left Laurel. And uh, he's going to surprise a few people at a price because nobody knows him. But now you do. So uh, let's play this trifecta like follows. A 50 cent trifecta, seven lucky Val with five, six, nine with all. We'll play a five, six, nine with seven with all and a five, six, nine with five, six, nine with seven. That's all for the show. Uh, I'll be back in this seat next week. Have a great day out there at Del Mar, and uh, we'll see you next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.